In a stadium rich with tradition, the lights shine the brightest. This is the camp. Now, here's your host, Zach Heilprin, on the Wisconsin Sports Zone Radio Network. Yes, welcome in. We are just days away from spring ball opening. We're going to preview the offensive side of the ball this week. We'll do the defense next week. Also going to talk a little uh, Daniel Freitag. Freitag? Is it Freitag? Freitag? What do we got? Freitag. 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 All right. Daniel Freitag, the point guard slash football players. Wide receiver, right? Yeah. Wide receiver. Defensive back, too. But primarily wide receiver in terms yeah. of how he's being recruited. One of the rare one of the rare guys that has offers in both basketball and football. Uh, a very sought-after target by Greg Gard. Has been for quite some time. I believe he's the number one player in the state of Minnesota. And the Badger football team kind of threw their hat in the ring uh, in the last couple of weeks as well, offering him. He's got offers from Minnesota and Notre Dame on the football side as well. So then it's, uh, it's a very talented kid uh, that can do both things. We'll talk about him uh, in a little bit as well. But before we get there, I mentioned last week that we had a little bit of a show announcement. Uh, it's a it's a big one in in my mind. Probably not in everybody's mind, including Jesse's, but uh, it's it's a big one in my mind. We are going with spring ball starting next week. Um, we are going to try something new. We are going to try and go daily. The camp is going to be daily during spring ball. If we like it enough, we will carry it into fall camp and into the season. And by if we like it enough, I mean if you like it enough. So let me know both uh, DMs or uh, in the comments on the uh, when you rate and subscribe and everything like that. If you want to leave something there, you can leave it there. You can leave it in my DMs, whatever it is. Um, it is going to be a little bit different than our normal show. Right now, obviously, it's me and Jesse every time. That is going to uh, still, obviously, Jesse still could be part of the show. He's going to be a big part of the show. Uh, we're probably going to do one or two episodes a week together, likely two, likely two uh, during spring ball. And the other episodes are going to be a little bit shorter and they're going to be a little bit more uh, just quick hitting news stuff. Plus interviews. I've got some uh, good interviews lined up uh, with uh, some folks associated with UW and uh, also player audio and coach audio and all that stuff. So those that'll fill in the rest of it. We were going to be daily. And by daily, I mean, Monday through Friday, if something pops on a Saturday or Sunday, though, still going to be able to do we'll, we'll certainly uh, jump in and do a show as well. But Jesse's going to Jesse's gonna be with me probably twice a week. And in the other ones, it's going to be me, but a whole lot of other people's voices as well. So um, I'm excited about it. Uh, I know Wisconsin football fans are excited about spring ball, and I thought this would be a, a good way to devote some time to that excitement. And so let me know what you think. We'll, we'll Maybe we'll put a poll up at the end of the spring. If you like it, we'll keep it going uh, once fall camp starts. And into the season, um, but obviously the excitement around the football team is is quite large, and um, uh, I, I know that we've talked about it. We're excited to see spring ball, and so uh, figured that there's going to be plenty enough to talk about here uh, over the next month. So that's going to start when spring ball starts. We don't yet have a schedule on what exactly uh, spring ball is going to look like in terms of availability and in terms of uh, our ability to watch practice. We think it's going to be good, but we won't know until next week. So I'll give you an exact start date once we actually get to uh, uh, get that schedule and we'll have everything set up. So, again, going daily. I know you're excited about it, Jesse. 
Yeah, I'm here for it, man. <laughs> um, but yes, uh, so we'll, as I said, Jesse's still going to be here a ton. Uh, we're going to be, it's actually going to be more than what we've done in the past. Uh, I remember, what was it, 2021 season, we were doing two episodes a week together. That's what we're going to go back to, perhaps even more. Um, we'll see how uh, it all plays out, but I'm really excited about that. So, um, all right, let's get into uh, Daniel Freetag, and then we'll go to uh, previewing the offense uh, after that. You had an opportunity to to uh, chat with some folks, and uh, where does I mean th- it, he is a unique story, right? Like it's something we haven't seen a ton here. Uh, a guy where they could potentially play both sports. Uh, it has happened, but he feels like a different type of athlete. Like Chris Chambers was certainly a great football player and was okay basketball player. Donald Hayes, a great football player, eh, on basketball. I mean, in high school was great, but this guy has a chance to be special in both. What's he going to do? This is really a fascinating story to me. And this is something I'm working on. That's going to be running on the athletic, hopefully on Monday. I had a chance to talk to Daniel, his high school football coach and his high school basketball coach. And as you said, his athleticism and talent in both sports is something you frankly, almost never see. Like it's not somebody who, just happens to be good at both sports. He is on an elite level in both sports. And that's why the scholarship offers are starting to come in. The basketball exploits we've known about for a little bit longer, Wisconsin and Greg Gard and Joe Krabinoff have been on him for multiple years at this point. Um, he's a, a four-star point guard. He's got about eight scholarship offers at this point, but the, the interesting part and most relevant to this show, since we're a football podcast is the football side of things because Wisconsin has offered him a scholarship. He's got four football scholarship offers now, Minnesota, Kansas state, Notre Dame, and Wisconsin Uh, and, and Minnesota and Kansas state are recruiting him as a wide receiver. Notre Dame is interested in him as a defensive back, but won't push it. If he wants to play wide receiver, he can. And in talking to Daniel, it sounds like Wisconsin is like, uh, we we just kind of want to see where you're, best got one of those athlete type of guys but I I think there's a couple questions here because everybody asks a high level high school athlete where are you going to school and with him it's which sport are you going to play and the the wild thing is nobody really knows right now I point blank asked each of his coaches his football and basketball coach and they said like that's a big question. I wish I had an answer. And I don't know because when he's in football season, it looks like he's going to play football. And when he's in basketball, it looks like he's going to play basketball. Now, what I would say is I think the the interesting part with him, his talent in basketball, at least right now is so much more apparent. I mean, he was a finalist for uh state player of the year in Minnesota. He's coming off a season and they just wrapped up their, their playoff. They, they lost a playoff game. He was averaging over 28 points a game, um, which is ridiculous. He's an 83% free throw shooter. Uh, he just does so many things well as a point guard. He averages more than four assists per game, is a, a decent three-point shooter. And so it feels like that's the sport that he would be best at. On the other hand, with football, his ceiling is sort of like untapped because his sophomore year, he started at wide receiver. He broke his collarbone in the very first game, missed the rest of the season. So you didn't really see much of him until his junior year, and he did a little bit of everything. He ran for 500 yards. He caught 500 yards. 
And then teams started double and triple teaming him. So they put him at the wildcat and he had a game where he ran for almost 300 yards. Um, and I think that the other tidbit is, and people put this in his ear a little bit is the, the idea of, of the basketball side, it, it's there right now. I think some people wonder what the upside is in, in the long term that they wonder if he'd have a better shot reaching the pros in football just because of his size. He's like 6'2", 180. Now, that may be a bunch of nonsense, but um, Daniel is taking this process very slowly. He's going to focus on basketball here coming up because the AU basketball season, and he plays for, I think it's Howard Bully, which is the premier program out in Minnesota, starts in a couple of weeks. Um, but he does want to get to Wisconsin here this spring for football to watch the football program. He he knows very well the basketball program, obviously. Garden Krabinoff have been on him for a while, as I said. The football thing really just happened in the last six weeks or so. Colin Hitchler, the new um, safeties coach, started talking to him in early February. And Daniel said that they had, were having a recent conversation. And apparently Hitchler said, you know, we, we want to offer you. And and Daniel thought he was talking about sometime down the road. And he's like, well, that'd be great if you decide to do it. And he was like, no, we, we want to offer you right now. So um, I don't I mean, I, I think the question is, what's he going to do? And, and I don't have an answer because he doesn't have an answer. But. The options there are, um, it's really astounding. And I would say that his football coach said that Freetag has referenced Jalen Suggs several times as someone whose path he aspires to follow. And Suggs, just two years ago, 2020, or three years ago now, he became the first player in Minnesota State history to win both Mr. Basketball and Mr. Football. Now, he was a five-star basketball player, ended up going to Gonzaga, played one season there, and became the fifth pick in the 2021 NBA draft, so it worked out for him but he was also a top 15 dual threat quarterback. I would say, I think it's almost impossible. I, I think it's really hard to do both sports in college, Zach, because uh, at the high level that he would want to do it at, because they overlap. I've seen some guys play football and then they'll play baseball in the spring or the summer, but this is not that. And a lot of times you see a guy who's a really talented football player, but he's a reserve as a basketball player. He's just a big body. Maybe he's a six, eight tight end. We've, I've seen that over the years happen uh, every once in a while. But he is on the level where he would be the kind of guy who would be good enough to start in both sports. So I don't know what's possible. It's just uh, it's fascinating to see a kid have that many options to be at that level. And I don't remember. Maybe you would know the last time Wisconsin had a scholarship offer out to a kid in both basketball and football. Yeah, I don't. <laughs> uh it's, I'm not sure. Yeah, I'm not sure. It's probably been quite some time. Um, I don't ever remember it. Right. I, I don't recall it. I don't recall it. Obviously, the Chambers and, and Donald Hayes, I don't think either one of them had a basketball scholarship offer. But that's, again, I'm not positive on that. And that was mid-90s. Hayes was mid-90s and Chambers late-90s. But, yeah, I can't remember. We've seen a lot of guys, like, do football and track because yes. they don't overlap, right? Um, even as recently with, you know, with Jonathan Taylor doing track in the spring that one year. Um it doesn't have. It's very hard to be, to to play. I mean, back in the day, it's a little bit different. Like Pat Richter, in the '60s, um, you know, being a a ten-time letter winner because he played football. What was it? Basketball and baseball. And back then, it was it was just a different type of of. Uh, I mean, it, that was the '60s. So obviously, it's it, that was a lot different. It just doesn't happen very often this year. I'm like I'm thinking uh, of a big-time guy that did it. You know, Julius Peppers, right, was was a fantastic football player, 
was a key com- contributor on North Carolina's team, uh, North Carolina's basketball team. I think that I think he was actually on the team that went to the Final Four the same year Wisconsin did in 2000. But you don't normally see it. So yeah, he's he's special. The other big significant difference between him and him and Jalen Suggs, uh, Jalen Suggs six five. So yeah, um, right. It, it if I mean, and again, he's listed at what six two? Yes, six one. And um, I've I've heard some people say he's not as tall as that. But either way, he is just a unique a unique guy. Do you have an inkling one way or the other? If I had to guess, to go? if I had to guess, um, I would think it's going to be basketball just because uh, he's just so good. <laughs> you know, I mean, yeah. the hard thing is trying to make a decision where you're projecting what could be best for you in the pros. And it is a valid point, I suppose, that people may be concerned about his size if you're projecting to the NBA, but there's no guarantee in football either. And the other thing is you don't know what your life, your lifespan in the sport is in football. And I think his sophomore year is a perfect example of that. He gets to the the first uh, series of the third quarter in his first game and he breaks his collarbone and he misses the rest of the year. So I just think it's really hard to ignore a kid who as a junior just averaged 28.8 points a game. Um, The kid made 218 free throws this season. And his coach told me the next closest teammate attempted 35 um he just can do everything on the basketball court so that's why i would think it'll be basketball but that's pure speculation and the fact that he's got these opportunities and options at major schools in both sports says a lot about his talent um and obviously this summer is going to be very important for him in trying to make these decisions um and i'm interested to see kind of what he thinks of wisconsin's football program when he has a chance to get to know them better. Uh, he obviously has a much better relationship at this point with Wisconsin's basketball staff. They were, the, I think they were the first ones to offer him. And his basketball coach actually said that after free tags, freshman season, the very first coach he called was Greg guard. Um, and so, I mean, guard went to, a, I think a football practice this fall. So they've certainly been recruiting him heavily, but free tech said he started talking to Luke fickle now as well. Like every other time that he's talking to the staff, He's talking to Fickle, too. So they're obviously very serious about him, um, and there's upside in football. But if I had to guess, I just think, yeah, God, it's really hard to ignore how good he is in basketball right now, you know? Do you think Wisconsin would let him play both? Well, I mean, I asked him about that, and he seems to think, like, the door could be open. But he also said – I mean, he was basically like, don't quote me on that because I can't remember who I've talked to when um, – because he's on the phone all the time with these different coaches. I do know that Minnesota, that is a big part of their pitch. Now, I don't know how realistic it is, but they have sort of, and maybe that is one way for a school to stand out amid a sea of other programs that are emerging is, hey, you can do both. But I, I just, I don't, honestly, I don't know how it's possible. I mean, just think about it. If you, if you are on the football team, that's a commitment that even if it's, fall camp starts the beginning of August, you are committed to football and Wisconsin is good enough that they are generally playing deep into December, maybe January. That's most of the basketball season. I don't see how you can just go to football practice and then show up at basketball practice. It's a massive commitment. So I I don't know what Wisconsin's exact position is, um, but I think it'd be very difficult to do. You think Luke Fickle and company being in the mix or at least, you know, throwing their head in here, helps Greg guard or hurts Wisconsin? 
uh, in terms of where getting they would be positioned yeah. basketball wise or just yeah. getting him at all basketball. I, I don't know how much of an impact it has. I mean, if he wants to play both, then that's potentially an option at, at Wisconsin, but if he wants to play basketball, I don't know if having a football offer really matters all that much. If he wants to do basketball, um, yeah. I won't say it hurts Wisconsin's position. I mean, it, it depends how serious things get with football. I mean, if he starts leaning to playing football, then obviously that very much hurts the position of any basketball coach. But I, I do think, well, here's what I would say is I think Wisconsin's basketball program is in a pretty good position for him at this point, but obviously he's got a long way to go. He's just finished his junior season and has an entire AU season to go before he even gets to his senior year. And I think it's a situation where he, you know, is going to take his time, maybe even see what happens in the senior football season. Um, but that remains to be seen. Yeah, it should be uh, should be fascinating to follow, fascinating to follow because you just don't see these type of guys very often, uh, especially when it comes to Wisconsin. But I mean, it's it's possible, right? It's possible he has a huge summer and blows up basketball wise, right? Yes, I mean, obviously, it is. Obviously, he's got some big offers, but bigger offers could come. Oh, absolutely. And I won't be surprised if that's what happens at all. And you look at his offer list and it's actually sort of surprising that it's only seven or eight deep. And I fully expect this summer to be a massive one for him on the basketball front. And in terms of visibility, uh, that's where it's going to come from for him. He's focusing on the AU basketball season, doesn't really have much lined up in terms of football camps. And again, this is part of what leads me to believe that basketball may be in his college future and we'll see what happens with football. But He's been so good for so long. As a sophomore, the kid averaged 26.3 points per game. Um, and I thought it was kind of an interesting tidbit. So he's at a high school and that the basketball coach has been there for almost 30 years. So Cole Aldrich and Kevin Lynch are two NBA players that uh, came from that high school. His, his high school basketball coach told me that Kevin Lynch, who was an NBA draft pick, averaged 15.6 points per game. Uh, now he was on a better team, apparently, but I just think it's and the don't play the same position. I just think it's really interesting that you've got a kid averaging 29 points as a junior. He could average 30 plus points as a senior. Um, so I do fully expect him to blow up on the basketball scene this summer. Yeah. And you mentioned he is with Howard Pulley, which is not necessarily a feeder program for Wisconsin, but has sent quite a few guys to the Badgers. I mean, you think about it, Jared Bergeron uh, was there. Brad Davison was there. Uh, Joe Krabenhoff was uh, a part of that uh, Howard Pulley program. So was, Jordan Taylor and Cameron Taylor. So they have, uh, they have sent some, some good players to Wisconsin. Um, and obviously Freitag would be another one. Um, all right, let's get into our uh, spring preview on offense. It's the, it's the spot. Everybody, it's, I should say it's the side of the ball that I think we're all really excited to see the defense can have some changes too, but the offense certainly um, at the top uh, of the list of things that we're excited to watch and, and quarterback, Probably is it. All right. I'm just going to give you an opportunity here. I, I have my biggest question, but I, what is your biggest question for the quarterback spot entering spring ball? Hmm. I feel pretty confident that the Tanner Mordecai is going to be the guy. Um, okay. Because uh, because uh, I, Luke Fickle did not answer that question when he was asked about it. I don't know if you saw this video. Um, you, you probably did. But there's the video of him selling tickets yeah. down and yeah, calling right. him, calling and someone asked him about it and he didn't answer it. Um, I mean, maybe, I wouldn't expect it. <laughs> maybe, maybe, Hey, what are you talking about? Jesse, that he is a man of the people. He is down there in the trenches calling them for season tickets. You're selling me. You're not going to get uh, an answer out of him. 
you got to be diplomatic. Spring ball hasn't even tech uh, hasn't even started. Uh, okay, I mean, look, right. I I certainly could be surprised. Like there is this is maybe the most talented quarterback room they've ever had, um, which sounds like hyperbole. But if you really broke it down, uh, I don't think that it is. It's just hard to deny Mordecai's experience. And we had Chimre DK on the show a few weeks ago, and he talked about just the way Mordecai carries himself and the, the confidence that he has. And um, we'll see how that develops. I mean, I guess I want to know how good this guy actually is in this system. My overarching question is what the hell does this offense look like? We've heard so much about it. I've written about it. We've read about it. A Phil Longo coached offense, but we've never actually seen it implemented at Wisconsin. So uh, that's my big question, but I just want to know what Mordecai looks like as a quarterback at Wisconsin in this system. And I, I suppose the other you know, question I would have is how are reps divided? My assumption would be because you can't give everybody reps, uh, even though you would give them more in spring ball than you would in fall camp. We'll see a lot of Tanner Mordecai, Nick Evers, and Braden Locke. I'd love to see what those two guys look like too. Um, so there's a lot of questions within even this position group because it's the most fascinating on offense. Yeah, I asked you for your biggest question, not all your questions. So appreciate that. No uh, problem. Yeah, no, um, I'm kidding. Yeah, my biggest question is the reps thing, but also who is going to jump up and take that backup job? And I don't think we're going to get an answer in spring, but what does Nick Evers look like? What does Braden Locke look like? Where is Miles Burkett on yes. this list? Um, so those are, to me, that's, we're on a, an agreement that I think Tanner Mordecai is going to be the starter. Um, he's not at Wisconsin to back anybody up. So uh, we'll see what he looks like. But as I've said, I think the backer quarterback spot is important. We've seen it be needed at Wisconsin in, in uh, during our time covering the team. Uh, in most years, it's been needed. And just because it's a new offense doesn't necessarily mean it's not going to be because I think we're going to see a little bit of a, not a running Tanner Mordecai, but a guy that's going to be moving around and potentially taking bigger hits than uh, than maybe are always necessary. And so you need to have that backup. Who is it going to be? Um, and so you're right, reps and exactly how those those backups look is uh, going to be fascinating uh, for me. Personally, personally, I think Nick Evers is going to be it, but I guess we'll see. Do you have a take on that? No? Yeah, I mean... Having not seen a single rep because they haven't had any yet, that would be my assumption. Um, He's got a but, big arm. He's got a big arm, is what I and is. and a ton of athleticism too. Yeah. That's the other thing is his his skill set seems to really line up with what they want to do with a quarterback. You do read option things. You, he's just got mobility, a strong arm, a quick whip. I think is how his mom put it. That that's the way he's been described. One of the quickest releases that people have seen. So, um, ton of talent there, no doubt. I like that dis description. I like that a lot. Um, all right, running back. They have obviously certain guys that are established, and then they have some guys that have an opportunity to find a role. Biggest question at running back. I don't want to be – I feel like it's a boring question to say who the number three running back is because it's like, come on, how often are we going to see the number three running back next season? You have two studs. Uh, so I won't go there. <laughs> okay. Maybe I, can, maybe I can leave that one for you. Um, oh, because I'm unoriginal. All right, got it. No, I just, well, I'm sure we'll talk about it. I just want to know how, how, what Braylon and Chez look like in this offense and how they'll be utilized, even though we're not necessarily going to have an answer in spring ball. Um, but, you know, what, what will be different about what they can do with them? And that's something that I, I was talking to Luke Fickle about this out at the bowl game at the, the team media day for the story I wrote about Braylon is, um, 
he feels like that this system will be much more beneficial for Braylon's skill set. So that's really my number one question is, is what can those two guys do together? And, and how, I mean, are they, do they want to line them up, get them into, involved in the passing game more? Just what exactly does it look like? That's a, that's is a good one. I'm kind of intrigued. And so it's kind of like who of that group behind those two could potentially stand out and yes. uh, find a role. And I mean, Julius Davis is still here, right? Like that's the, that's a, he's still at UW. As far as I know. Yes. Yeah. No, that was a joke. That was a joke. <laughs> um, he, he's because he, people are always like, where's Julius Davis? Why isn't Julius <laughs> Davis, you know, doing what everyone expected him to do when he got here? No, but no. Uh, and then obviously Jackson Aker no longer, is there a fullback in Wisconsin's offense? So my biggest question is Katie Akamele. Mm-hmm. I'm intrigued by his athleticism. Uh, we got we didn't get to see him much last year because he was at uh, at safety, but he is uh, over six foot. He's I think about two o five, and he can absolutely fly. And so I feel like he's a, and I I think Jackson Aker has a chance to be that number three guy. I don't I didn't hate that take, and I, th- I actually kind of really liked it from Colton Bartholomew when I talked to him uh, for Kenny and Heilbert a few weeks back. But I, they don't necessarily have a speed guy. Um, and I know Braylon was at like 19 or something like that, but Katie Akamele, I think has a little bit of a different athletic ability in that backfield. So to me, can he step up and grab a, a role of some type, force them to get the ball in his hands, right? I'm going to say this about a million times over the next, however long Phil Longo is here, but he wants to get the ball in athletes hands and let them go be that go be athletes. And right now, Katie Akamele, one of the is probably the, one of the best athletes they have in that backfield. So find a way to get the ball in his hands and let him go do some, go do some damage. I think that's, that's that fair. fair? All right. Absolutely. To me, that spot is wide open and it goes back to what does this offense look like? I don't know how often the number three guy will be used, but you'd have to figure it may be more than in the previous offense, just because they want to keep guys fresh and they have the potential to rotate. And if somebody stands out and proves to be very good at something, it goes back to, utilizing the skill set of your players so they got some decent options and nate white isn't here yet so this may be more of a question for fall camp but the number one player in the state the only kid in the class that wisconsin offered a scholarship to in the state um, i'm interested to see what what his future holds as well yeah all right let's move to wide receiver new faces some returning faces uh lots of opportunity biggest question at wide receiver oh boy um, it, to me, I want to know about Bryson Green and CJ Williams and uh, where they fit into the pecking order because you still have the top three returning from last season with DK Bell and Lewis. Um, so that would be my short answer. I mean, you look and there's they're going to be a dozen scholarship wide receivers, at least at this point. We'll see if anybody leaves after spring ball. Um, but those are the two that I'm watching the most. Yeah, it's it's how do the, how do the new guys integrate into the offense? Yeah, um, right. And it's also how do they how are they going to line up the remaining three? Because or the the it's just not the remaining three, but the, the the three big guys that are coming back. What are their roles look looking like actually on the field? And some of how the uh, formations and how wh- where guys each guy is going to be, what they see their skill set being, and then it's also the the other new guys uh, that. I'm very intrigued to see led by Will Pollen just because of the speed. There, there are some, there are some big time speed 
in terms of uh, this room. Uh, Keontes Lewis, certainly at the head of it. Will Pauling uh, up there. How does this all look? And, you know, is it just simply getting the ball in their hands and, and going or, and how, how quickly do they grasp it? Because this, I feel like guys like Will Pauling and Bryson Green and maybe even CJ Williams having, and, and I shouldn't say this because the other guys played in probably similar offenses in high school where they, they spread it out. And it wasn't like at Wisconsin, there was so much to learn. There was so much to learn uh, when it came down to adjustments and all that stuff. And I feel like this is going to be, it's not like it's not an offense for dummies. You know what I mean? Like it's not something like that, but it is, I think it is less complicated than Wisconsin's offense. So how quickly have they picked it up and how quickly can they hit the ground running at the, uh, at the wide receiver spot? And I guess that's maybe an overarching uh, question in terms of the entire offense, but certainly at wide receiver where there was a lot more involved, I think uh, than in the old offense than in this one and trying to figure things out. So uh, I wrote about this after Phil Longo got hired and trying to understand this offense. But what it sounds like is there may be 20 plays in a playbook or something like that. But because there are so many different variations within a play and it's up to the player to read the defense and find openings, then all of a sudden you've got 200 different combinations. So to, to that idea of it being less complicated, I do think that that is valid and and honestly i think that may be why it's this could be easier for people to pick up and that again that's another thing is okay how quickly do they adjust to this how long does it take to learn and then how long does it take to kind of master but i think that will be another key element to watch here um and i think it allows players to be more free as opposed to having to think so much about all the responsibilities that they had in the previous system yeah, for sure. Um, all right, let's go to tight end. I was talking about this this week, just in my mind, and I shouldn't say in my mind. I was talking about it on another show, uh, but also thinking about it. If you could add one player, like if, if there was such, such a thing as college free agency, and there kind of is, but thinking about the NFL and college free agency, I think if any position on the Badgers, tight end may be the place that you would add it, like a, a marquee tight end, like a Brock Bowers or somebody like that. Because I think tight end has the biggest questions on offense. The position is changing from what it was before. You don't necessarily have... I mean, obviously, Clay Cundiff is not going to take part for most of spring. Uh, it sounds like he could do some stuff on air later in it. They do have some intriguing athletes in a JT Seagreaves and uh, a Jack Pugh. But it's a different position. And I don't necessarily think they have that guy at that spot. So, um, But what is your biggest question there? Well, I guess that's how many tight ends they realistically want to utilize and, and think will be major contributors. Um, I mean, the, the three, obviously, that jump up for next season are Jack Eschenbach because he's back for another year, Hayden Rucci because he's played a ton and is an excellent blocker, and Clay Cundiff because he's kind of a mix of both and would seem to be the big play threat that, that they want. Um, but with Cundiff not there, there's an opportunity for more reps. So maybe it is Pew and Seagreaves. Just how many are they willing to use and how do they want to use them? That's a, the big overarching question because we no longer will do that last year when he had three good tight ends, he threw to them a ton. I think, I think North Carolina threw to its tight ends. I don't know. It was like top five in the country. So if you've got the talent, utilize them, but we don't really know. I think a whole lot about most of these guys. That's the other thing is uh, we know the top three, but 
Cam Large and Cole Dokovich, been here a while now, haven't seen him a ton. Now, Large, they both dealt with injuries, obviously. Um, and the same with, with Pew and Seagrews, haven't seen him very much, if at all. Exactly. Right. And there's, I, and that maybe that's why it's a little unfair for me to say they don't have anybody. We haven't seen, I mean, we, we haven't seen it. Clay kind of gave some uh, flashes last year before he got hurt. I mean, those first three, the first three games played were as good as you could have, could have expected from him. And he certainly was a little bit of a security blanket for Graham Mertz. And then not to have him certainly hurt them the rest of the year. Mm. But it, <sighs> If I could add one player there to this team, it would be a, a big time tight end. And they, maybe they have him. Maybe they have him. Maybe that's the biggest question. Do they have a big ten tight, a big time tight end on this roster right now? I would lean no, but spring will tell us a little bit more. Uh, all right, let's finish out offense with the offensive line. New bodies there, new faces there, um, but a lot of returning players as well. They only they only lose. Joe Titman, and I shouldn't say only. He was obviously an all-Big Ten type guy, probably a day-two pick in the draft. What's your biggest question? No Tyler Beach. Yeah, uh, sorry. Um, How dare you uh, spit on the name? Yeah, it was that, that was an unfortunate uh, person I forgot. Mm-hmm. No, I, um, I like – the thing is, I like Tyler. That's the problem. Like, But I, I, it doesn't stand out as somebody that, oh, my God, they're without Tyler Beach. Uh, and I guess it's really not a, oh my God, they're without Joe Tipman because of what they were able to bring in. But what is your biggest question? Can I just say who starts? <laughs> yeah. um, I mean, I feel like we have an idea, but at the same time, we don't know it, what Jack McNell Jr. is going to see or what he's looking for. Um, because Jack Nelson, multi-year starter, you figure he's your left tackle. I would think Riley Malman would be lined up for your right tackle, but may have to go out and prove it. Obviously brought Jake Renfro in because he's your starting center immediately. And I would feel like Tanner Bordellini is going to be a starter because of his experience. You've got a boatload of other guys with a ton of talent. And so how's that all going to shake out? You know, is, is Trey Weddick going to be a, a guard or a tackle? Could he actually challenge for a starting tackle job? Um, will he be the other guard? You brought in Joe Huber, who started every game last year at Cincinnati at right tackle, but is coming in as a guard. And we haven't even mentioned the guys who were four and five star prospects out of high school with the Joe Brunner and JP Benchwall and obviously Nolan Rucci. So there is so much talent there now, as we've seen in recent seasons, just because you have talent doesn't mean you'll be able to dominate. Um, so maybe that's my biggest question is can this offensive line get back to a dominant level? Because when Wisconsin is at its best, that's what it takes. Yeah, there you go. Um, Talked around it for a while. You did, but you got to it. And that would have been, that's, <laughs> and that's and that's kind of my big question too. I, again, I don't think it's a situation that's going to resolve itself in the spring, but getting guys locked into spots, finding where they need to be, and and moving forward, this is there are going to be very few excuses for the offensive line, in my opinion, this year. They've they've talked about you know having to be perfect because uh, when when there's eight guys in the box, because there's always a free guy, and sometimes it's you know it bothers us you know to see that well the guy's not going to be there anymore. So how do you, uh, you have to perform now you like, there's, there's no excuse there. So can they get back to being a dominant level offensive line? I think is certainly at the top, uh, of, uh, the list from me. And it's also like, who's going to start, what are they going to do at guard? Are guys going to just be chilling at tackle the entire time? Obviously I know they want to cross train guys, but you know, at center and guard and guard and tackle, but, uh, can they find, you know, a five to work together? 
and what does it look like? Those are, I mean, those feel like general questions, but until we see where they have certain guys and, and where Jack Picknell feels about certain guys, this is a brand new start. I mean, I know we both lamented the fact that he hadn't really watched a lot of tape about Wisconsin from last year. It kind of gives guys a fresh start and there's no preconceived notions going into this. So how does that all play out uh, for certain guys? I think it's a, is a good question and there's, there's plenty of them. Uh, I know that we probably missed a few uh, because there are so many questions uh, for this team heading into, uh, into spring. All right. Anything else you uh, on the offense, Jesse? I think we pretty much covered it. I mean, I feel as though we've been talking about this for two months and just I waiting know. for the start date. And thankfully, uh, it's only a little over a week away. All right. Let's get into some of these these Twitter questions. Trap asks, what is the main objective of spring ball and how can you really tell about your players and how they fit the system? Well, I think the objective overall is to figure out uh, who's going to play where and how they fit. Um, Maybe a little bit different for each side. Um, Like offensively, I go back to when Phil Longo was talking about what the, the plan is for implementing this offense. If, and uh, I don't have it right in front of me, but I think what he said is the first four practices are basically install everything. And the next four are go over some situational things. And then the second half is, basically learning to play in it and play free and understand it and gain confidence. Um, That's the offensive side, but overall everybody is still learning. Everybody we've seen all the videos of off season workouts and dudes pushing sleds and stuff like that, but we haven't seen anything with a football out there. So I I think that's what it is really is, is gaining a comfort level and trying to understand how you fit in the system. Um, And that's my big, I think what I would say. I think you can certainly see how players fit into your system. Oh yeah. I mean this that's what this that's what spring's all about. Both whether it's this system or another system. It's this is I mean and they've done they've been able to do some on-field work during these you know during these last 2 months. Um but this is putting on helmets, putting on shoulder pads and, and getting after it and playing the actual game of football. It allows you to see how guys will fit. Correct? Yeah. Oh, I, I mean, I think this is tremendously important and, and absolutely there's a lot of so much value in these spring practices and it's going to also tell guys where they stand. If it comes to still being in this program, <laughs> well, I mean, really like they've got, I, I addressed this in a mailbag question recently, but if you just look at uh, who would be set to be on the roster at this point when fall camp starts, there's 91 guys that we know of that had been on scholarship or will be on scholarship. And so it doesn't overlap now because you've got enough guys in this freshman class that aren't here yet. So they're not taking up a scholarship, but (laughs) there are going to be people that have to make these decisions. So spring practice is huge for so many different reasons. Yeah. I can't wait. I can't wait. So beers and taco. He sent me about 15 questions. Wow. Really into the pod. He, He is. I mean, some of them we've already answered. So I won't ask you again, but there are, there are a couple here. It says Mordecai, no, he has Mordecai number one, Evers number two, number three, LaCrue, question marks. Mm. Mm. I I struggle with that for uh, a true freshman. I, just, I mean, it's not out of the realm of possibility, but we also haven't seen a quarterback room this deep and talented. And, and Braden Locke has a year in a college system and so does Miles Burkett. I just don't 
this is no knock to Cole, but I feel like that's, I don't want to say he's a project, but he was a late bloomer is the best way to put it. He got a late offer from Wisconsin, was recruited by the previous staff, and he fits the the characteristics that I think the staff wants in a quarterback. But I have a hard time believing he's going to jump some of those other guys who've already been in a college system. Yeah, I, I will at least say I think it's worthwhile to note that um, when they first took over, Mike Brown went out there, right? And he went out there and, and visited and, and saw him play and they didn't necessarily need to honor that scholarship, but he liked what he saw. So I, I think there's there's at least that notion to it's not just, oh, it's the previous staff's guy, and so they had to hold on to him. I think they liked what they saw, and they brought him in um, and still signed him. It is not an Austin Kefensa situation. No. Uh, he's not going to be at safety tomorrow, I don't think. Yeah, and, and uh, yeah, that's a, a different conversation. But LaCrue, I mean, the classic gunslinger, if you watch his highlights, it's – Favre-esque in the sense of there's a play that breaks down. He has no business getting any positive yardage. He escapes three tackles and somehow throws a pass downfield for a big gain. Um, he's certainly entertaining to watch. For sure. Another question from Beers and Taco. Do you think it's realistic to see maybe a 75% full camp Randall on April 22nd? No. Says we need, uh, he, says they, so he says they need to make a tradition where it's no different from a Saturday in the fall. Um, tailgating all down Regent Camp Randall Rocking. What do you say? Well, the thing is, it is totally different from a Saturday in the fall. It's not even a full-on uh, scrimmage. It's more like a or, or full-on spring game. It's it's more like a practice. And and if you're talking about seventy-five percent full, that means you're saying sixty thousand fans. If you get twenty thousand, that's considered a good day. And I've talked about it over the years. It's it's just different out here. Uh, you know, there's other stuff going on. And if the weather's nice, you maybe have a better chance, but I just don't think that's realistic. And uh, I don't even know what you would shoot for, but I would expect the attendance to be as high as we've seen it. Uh, honestly, I would expect it to be as high as I've seen it since I started covering the team in 2011 for any open spring setting. Um, and that would be a step in the right direction to me. So they used to get 20 to 25 mm -hmm. back when it was still a game. I will say it's going to be higher than that uh, or right about that. But again, and I think it, that would it, be a good number. I think it'd be a great number. I think, and even, I mean, it'd be amazing if they were fit, if, if it was 60,000, it's not going to be. Um, but that doesn't, I don't necessarily think it means it can't be at some point. If you have, I mean, if you're able to drum up the type of excitement you are right now and you turn that into wins mm -hmm. and turn that, you know, into success on the field, I think you could grow it into something big. It's not, it's never going to be something like in Alabama or even Ohio state for that matter, where you're, you're filling a stadium. It just, it just feels on it. It's not likely, but I, I do think that you need to have it be more than just the game. Like it has to be a full experience where people are tailgating and mm -hmm. where people where Regent street turns into what it looks like on a Saturday. That's tough to do in, in, in April, even late April yes. uh, in Wisconsin. It's, it's just tough to do, but I do think there's going to be quite a few people down there on the 22nd, quite a few people. We'll see exactly what it looks like. I do think they need to turn it into a full game next year though. I think we would all agree that that would be better for the fans and for the media. Um, Adam asks, how are we feeling about the 2024 recruiting so far? See a lot of four stars with Badgers in their top tens. How much more is that at this point in recruiting cycles to previous years? Well, I don't have the comparison for how many four stars have Wisconsin in the top 10 relative to other classes, but I think they're certainly in very good position. Obviously they've got the three commits, 
two of them are four stars with Grant Steck and maybe Mattire. And then they've got Rob Booker and it could be a really big in-state hall. Um, I think as of now, they're like 25th in the 24 seven sports composite. I know it's ridiculously early, but if you just kind of set that as a baseline, they've only finished in the top 25 once in 2021 when they were number 16. So, I mean, I, that's kind of the bar that I'm setting is, is top 25. And maybe that some of that has to do with what they've been able to do in the transfer portal, but it's also what they did to put together a really solid 2023 recruiting class. So I, I, I think this is going to end up being a, a very good class, but I don't, I don't know the comparison on number of four-star guys that have Wisconsin in the top 10, but they're in the mix for a lot of them. And even just look at running back, right? There's three four-star guys that came here for one of the two junior day weekends. Um, obviously Jordan Marshall kid from Ohio, who's got Wisconsin in his top four um, would be massive for Wisconsin to win that. And I don't know if they will, because Ohio State's in there too. You have Darian Dupree, the kid from Illinois and Corey Smith, the kid from uh, Waukesha. Who, uh, I went out there and talked to him in Donovan Harbor. So, uh, they are in the mix for really good players. It's just a matter of, uh, you know, what's going to happen these next few months. And I do think that kind of June window is always huge for Wisconsin. It may be even more important for the out-of-state guys who don't have an opportunity to come up here very often. But think about all the years when Wisconsin has done the majority of its damage in June. Uh, I won't be surprised if that happens again this year. Yeah, for sure. We'll finish with this one. Bucky Garcia says there was a notion... Uh, that there was a ceiling on recruiting due to academic standards at UW, but Fickle seemed to blow that notion up. Was this due to a, due to different transfer portal standards, or was this not true? Um, I think you talked with some people about that, yeah. right? Well, we talked about this on the show several weeks ago. Yeah. Um, I, I, I think, think it just, yeah. yeah, I mean, just to reiterate quickly, like the transfer situation is different from the high school situation because we're talking about people that are already in college they're already having to maintain their grades under the the ncaa standards and so it's just i think it's not exactly the same as when you're talking about getting high school high school guys and i will say i do think the academics that that is a legitimate um issue may be too strong of a word but that exists at wisconsin i mean i think that is fair to say um and so it's a matter of going after kids that fit <laughs> academically and athletically and um but I mean, I don't think obviously fickle and this staff is going to let that stop them. You just got to recruit harder and find the right kind of guys. And so far we've seen, they've been able to do it. And he also asks, so what is your prediction for UW's 2024 class ranking? Oh man, I'll go inside the top 25. I'll, I'll, I don't even know if that's going out on a limb, but maybe it is because it's only happened once. Um, <laughs> I just, I feel, I have a lot of confidence in, in this new staff uh, and the coaching staff and building on the energy that they've established here the first few months. Yeah. Um, all right. That is going to do it for the show. Uh, again, as I said at the beginning of the show, we're going to be going daily when spring ball starts. Uh, some of it's going to be me and interviews and that type of thing. And other and a couple of them a week will be me and Jesse. So we're really excited for spring ball to get started in Madison gets going on the 25th uh, pro day on the 23rd. I can now say that's uh, next week. That's cool. Um, so we're getting there. We're getting there uh, slowly but surely. Again, if you have any comments on going daily, let me know about them. You can DM me. You can tweet at me. You can put it in the comments uh, You know, when you rate and subscribe, which we always appreciate, and let me know what you're thinking. Uh, all right, Jesse, thank you very much. We'll catch up next week, and we'll talk uh, a little bit of defense as uh, we get ready for spring ball. Very much looking forward to it. Thanks, Zach. All right, there he is. Jesse Temple from The Athletic. You've been listening to The Camp.